Step into my circle, whip the opposite of Urkel When I pull up flying purple, people eaters couldn't bite me I sealed the fate of Herschel And I just leave them on the limb and hand them up And this is rappers are walking that I already killed them Skin blanco, lyrical weapon kicking like a Bronco Head honcho, spherical presence came from the grotto A dead rapper, rap his body in a poncho A crack right. smelling with a combo like pronto <laughs> What's up, Indy? We are back and better than ever. This is Remington Ramsey, host of As Indy Grows, where we highlight successful people doing successful things in Indianapolis. I'm here with my celebrity co-host, Marcus Mangus. Celebrity, wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. We decided that any host has to have alliteration in their name. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> so welcome. That's actually the only qualification you have. Uh, not really. Actually, Marcus it. Marcus is a longtime friend of mine and a uh, rising star in the business world here in Indianapolis. And we have Seth McFarland today, <laughs> uh, creator of Family Guy, among other things. How often so, do you get that? Oh, man, all the time. Is all that because the the, you look like other people, too? Or is that I mean, I like to think I look like Brad Pitt a little yeah. bit, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, but mainly Seth McFarland is what people... People say uh, so. we'll get to that later because there's a lot of questions <laughs> I have about Family Guy. In all seriousness, we have Micah Beckwith, uh, the student worship pastor of Northview Church, with us today. Uh, founder and CEO of Sing Love, which is a student worship mentoring program, mm-hmm. um, but more importantly, decided to run for Congress in June of 2019, and the primaries start on May 5th. So we better produce this podcast so it actually has an influence. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Soon, but. Um, can you uh, talk to us first about the Sing Love thing? It's yeah. uh, it's it's kind of different than most um, most mm-hmm. student led worship uh, programs. What 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 led you to create that? Yeah, well, in the church world, there was a there was a gap. If I look, I started looking around churches around the country, and and I I just saw this gap of being able to equip and train up next generation worship leaders, musicians, excellent in their craft, um, understanding really what the heart of a true worship leader is, and then. And then there was also a gap of giving these students opportunities to use those giftings. So I, my background was business. I've, I've always been an uh, entrepreneur. And then I, I was um, uh, in a band out of college that was doing this professionally. And we were traveling around the country, playing at camps, conferences, churches, you know, festivals, all those kind of things. And when I left that band, I still was getting calls from all these promoters saying, hey, can you come and, you know, play here or do lead worship here? And well, at the time I was working at White River Christian Church, and so I was training up, you know, these middle school high schoolers to do what the professionals do. And I said, "Well, I've got these high schoolers. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we head out and take some of these high schoolers on the road and see see how it goes?" And it really became a uh, kind of a novelty, to be honest with you. There's not many uh, churches, ministries that are able to put that type of excellence forward when it comes to middle schoolers and high schoolers being able to lead in that capacity. And then when they are up in front of their peers, well, that's encouraging to everybody in the, if it's an arena or a church or a festival setting, they're like, man, there's a, there's a 10th grader playing guitar and Mm -hmm. he's doing really well. And he's, and he's worshiping the Lord. I I think I could do that. I want to take that back to my church. and try to do something like that. So it's been this really encouraging just snowball effect that we've seen um, just kind of create these um, movements around the country. And it's not just in, uh, like, youth settings either, because they've mm-hmm. led worship before for, you know, adults. I've actually yeah. been a part of it, and it's amazing, like, the energy. Have you have you been to one? Oh, yeah. I mean, the energy is just different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the kids, uh, there's something special about a kid leading worship and, yeah. like, them. I've seen these guys... Um, 
at multiple different of the ice camps yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that Northview does. Yeah. And are you doing those kinds of camps all yeah. across the nation, mm-hmm. or is it regionally? Yeah. Or? It's right r- around the nation. Really? Yeah, yeah. How big has Sing Love gotten now? Yeah, so we have about 175 students and or adult leaders that are involved in the whole program. Like currently. Um, that currently are involved. When I came to Northview about five years ago, there were about six to ten people involved (laughs) and so we just kind of infused the sing love culture with the northview culture and said okay this is this is a tool how we can train up and get get students and their parents excited about their giftings and it's just growing and and we also have a school of worship that um we teach out of all the northview campuses uh or most of the northview campuses and really what uh what we do is it's it's like a school of rock if you will, <laughs> yeah. that's the best way to put it. But Great it's movie. with yeah, it so is Jack Black. As he, well. He's a Jack Black and Seth MacFarlane. There you go. You know what? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> and uh, and so we we basically bring in worship leaders, um, you know, like like the Remingtons of the world, if you were, will, that play guitar, do it well, play drums, vocals, whatever. I didn't it is. know you played guitar well. No, he plays guitar well. Trust me, and he looks even better on stage. When, <laughs> that's you know, the that's important thing. Yeah, when Mike is one of right? from from a worship leader standpoint. Mike is one of the the most fun people to be on oh, stage yeah. with. He brings the energy back to the stage because I tell you, sometimes when you look out, you don't always have people engaging with you. So you look for the people that are super engaged. All you got to do is look on stage because this guy he got up on my platform one time. I thought he was going to do a backflip off. Oh, yeah. but he was just trying to get me engaged. I was like, all right, this is working. That's if, funny. If you're if if you're really good and we've got high quality production on yeah. this on this video portion of this podcast, we could put a picture Throw up there up, yeah. of uh, Micah like eight feet off of the stage oh, man. while playing guitar <laughs> and singing. His, so, his feet never stop, man. No, man, it's impressive. Going. It's, you know, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on, you <laughs> dance like David Dance, you know? So. <laughs> All right, so let's transition into uh, basically your upbringing and what got you, because you're passionate about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You're someone that kind of, Marcus and I were talking, because you're, you're a friend of ours, and, and we're annoyed that you're good at everything you do. <laughs> Uh, like really good golf, all that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you had time to be good at all these things. So it must have just been God given talent, which is really <laughs> annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so, so you grew up in Michigan. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about your upbringing. What kind of got you uh, excited about politics? Yeah. Well, so it was really. I mean, my roots are um, faith, family, and country. My parents and my grandparents on both sides uh, were incredibly passionate about their walk with the Lord. Uh, their love of country, and how to serve their community. So uh, my mom's parents were missionaries in Japan after World War II. So they saw the devastation of what war does. I mean, they saw firsthand. So they brought that back. My mom's parents were actually um, very uh, much in the pacifist, the Anabaptist kind of movement where they were like, wars should never be uh, sought after, right? And then um, my, my dad's side was a little bit more of that just war, and they were saying, no, this is like America, you have to fight for truth, you have to fight for freedom. You know, Thomas Jefferson said, the tree of liberty from time to time has to be sustained by the blood of patriots and tyrants. That would be a little bit more on my, my dad's side. And so kind of having these two different perspectives when it comes to governance, but both were, were rooted in godly governance. So it wasn't that we always agreed on everything, but the common the commonality was we love uh, we love God, uh, we love our family, and we can disagree on policies and perspectives. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's more that unites us than divides us. And so I think that's just kind of when I saw like, man, politics can really be fun. It doesn't have to be this offensive 
disheartening journey to go on. You know, the two things people tell us we're not allowed to talk about in public forums are what? Religion right. and politics. Mm-hmm. And I would argue those are the two most important things that affect humanity. So if we're not talking about them, then we are missing the mark. Um, I was I was speaking at a group uh, in Noblesville the other day, and it was a business leaders group, and they said we just want to be about humanity. We don't want to we don't want to talk about religion and politics. And I said, you know, respectfully, religion and politics throughout all of world history are the two most critical pieces that affect humanity. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're if you're not talking about that, then you're missing how you can affect humanity positively. And it's gonna it's gonna come back and, and negatively hurt us. So to push back on that, yeah. I think uh, I think if you look at Facebook and some of the other social media platforms, what has happened is people are incapable of having a civilized conversation when those two things come up because it's such a hot button item. And I've, one of the things I appreciate about you, because I follow you on on social media, is you had a post a couple of weeks ago about a guy that opposes you, mm-hmm. uh, just a uh, just a citizen, yeah. right? Yeah. He opposes you at everything you go to, but you had a picture. With him, and you talked about how you can coexist. To, mm-hmm. Like you, you don't agree on things. Did you see that? He post? opposes him on basically every post. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so not, you follow it too. Yeah. It's not. It's not just his a, name. His name. He's a friend of mine. His name's Jeff Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff, you're listening. And Jeff's a great guy. But yes, he does. He, him and I see very differently on a lot of issues, which is fine. Yeah, which is great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. So uh, you know, some people say we have a social media problem where people can't be respectful, and that's true. But I would say. More, more than that, we have, we have an offense problem. Mm. People take offense to everything so quickly. Mm-hmm. And we have got to be, uh, we have to learn to be a people who are unoffendable if we want to have those types of conversations on religion and politics. So that means, because when I got into this um, about three years ago, I started speaking out pretty boldly on politics. And right. as, a, as a pastor, that's kind of taboo to mm-hmm. do sometimes. But I said, you know what? We, Nobody's talking about these things that are happening in Washington. What does the Bible say? What does the Constitution say? What Nobody knows. And so I started, I knew it. I've researched it. I've studied history my entire life with my upbringing. And, and, and so I just started speaking out on it. And people started attacking, they started attacking me pretty heavily. I mean, mm-hmm. it was pretty hardcore. And I mean, I was called every name in the book. And I remember one time I just, on social media, someone just blasted me. And they're like, you shouldn't be working with students at church. You're a terrible person. You're going to, you know, end up in hell someday. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh. I just, like, I am so mad. And I felt like the Lord said, Micah, you have no right to be offended at what that person said about you. Mm. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, they were wrong. And he said, yes, they were. But the moment you take offense, you have now just given their words weight. Mm. You have now just given what they believe credibility. And if it's not right then let it, you know, shake the dust off your shoes and move on, hmm. right? He said, the only thing that matters is what I say about you. You know, this was the Lord talking to me. Wow. And, and I was like, man, that, that changed everything. When he told me that, then it was like, okay, I can have a great conversation. Someone can totally be like absolute, like just evil to me, if you will. And I can say, hey, that's not what God says about me. Yeah. And now I can live unoffendable. Now, you touched on something earlier that I actually wrote down ahead of time that I, I'm just curious from your perspective, and actually maybe you can answer this too from like a citizen's perspective because you're pretty informed, but I just wrote down how informed do I, a common citizen, need to be versus a congressman? Like mm-hmm. how informed in not only the issues but current events and, and things like that? Marcus, I know you are much more involved in the political sphere. What are your thoughts on like how, how, how 
informed should I be? Like, do I need to know everything that's going on in every different part of the world? And Well, no. I mean, we don't live in a democracy, right? If mm-hmm. we lived in a democracy where you were voting on every single issue, mm-hmm. then absolutely you would have to know everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it's important to understand the issues because we're going to be sending the micas of the world or who or whoever in our place to make those decisions mm-hmm. for us. So it's much more important to get involved with local politics so that you know who exactly you're voting for, mm-hmm. right? Whether that's your city councilman mm-hmm. or it's your congressman or your state mm-hmm. representative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I try my best to, you know, what, what you might see from me on social media is you might see some large issues that I'm passionate about um, and you'll see some pretty good debates on my threads mm-hmm. as well, um, trying to keep them as respectful as possible. But what's going to impact you and what's going to impact everything would be understanding who it is that we're electing and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I'd love it if you can touch on this, you say all the time, you say, hey, if you don't think that I'm going to represent you well, don't mm-hmm. vote for me. Yeah, exactly. I'm not right? going to be hurt if someone says, you and I see totally opposite on all these issues. I'm not voting for you. I'll be like, hey, at least you are informed. Thank you. And that, that's my response to him. Thank right. you for knowing where you stand. You know, thank you for knowing that you and I don't agree so that you can cast your vote for somebody that you do agree with. And that's, I think, the problem with, you know, our culture and our society right now is we blame Washington for a lot of things. Yeah. But Washington is just a microcosm of us. And that's all it is. Hmm. So if we if we have a problem with Washington, well, then that falls on our shoulders as citizens and community members and leaders in the community so we have nobody to blame but ourselves if we don't like what we see out in dc is that part of the reason you're getting involved yeah yeah absolutely i mean i just i don't i don't like where i see the direction of the nation going i don't like that the next generation is starting to believe that socialism could actually work i don't like that the next generation Mm -hmm. doesn't know how communism has abused humanity's uh, rights for thousands of years when you say next generation What, what specifically? What age group? What 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 group of kids do you feel like are leaning towards that? Yeah, I think it's the college age, like twenty, twenty somethings. It's the the Gen Zers, but like early Gen Zers. And so. what have you heard, or what have you seen that makes you think that that's the direction that we're headed? Well, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say you're pretty qualified on this because you work with students yeah. all day, every day, right? Yep. I yep. mean, and I've seen so them. even in the church, you feel like this is oh, absolutely. Wow. So here's here's the greatest strength of the next generation is also the greatest weakness. They are 100% driven by their feelings. Mm. 100% driven by their feelings. So if they feel like something is right... <laughs> I just feel like they're listening. Like, oh, if we have, no, we're not. I, I just feel like that's what they're saying. Just, it's that, okay. It's he just told you don't be offended. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. We just lost a quarter of our listeners. Yeah, I know, right? No, but, but that's, that's, honestly, that's such a, a positive... That's such a positive characteristic to have. Yeah. To, be a, to be an emotionally driven person can be very p- powerful because when you but it also can go off course very quickly too so emotions can be used to to derail us and they can be used to lift us up right and um and so what i see is that all that needs to happen in the next generation is for somebody that's good at manipulating emotions Hmm. to lead them off off course Mm -hmm. so if they're not looking at facts they're not looking at history they don't know american history well they don't know world history very well so we're doing a we're a bad job training up the next generation say hey I know emotionally it sounds good to say everybody has a right to health care, but that's not actually factual 
I mean, nowhere in our Constitution does the Founding Fathers ever say health care is a right. Nowhere in, the, in, our, in our founding documents does it ever even say the government's job is to provide health care. Hmm. And, and I will even take it a step further and say, hey, I want everyone to have good health care. Like, that's my heart. My heart is in this. I just believe that if the government tries to do it, it's going to get really bad hmm. really quickly. And there's evidence to point to that. So let's try to find a, a solution but don't run to the government and say, please fix this. It's not right. So let's think about the facts. Let's look at history. And let's walk rationally down the path of common sense, you know, uh, changes, if yeah. you will. So if you take it back, I guess, well, we don't want to get too political. But yeah, yeah, if, sure, you, sure. if you take it back to the Constitution, yeah. I think this is important for people that don't understand you. Because yeah. it's not just the health care issue. But, yeah. you, but you brought up that issue. Yeah, yeah. They were writing the Constitution. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, America, would they have even been able to provide something like healthcare for all? Would that have even been within their scope? And is it important for the leaders of today to think with that lens, like, okay, we know what their heart was mm -hmm. as founders, yeah. and their heart was to have um, the, the greatest nation that this world has ever seen, mm -hmm. does something like healthcare for all, or, you know, put in anything else if we have the ability to give that to our mm -hmm. citizens should we yeah uh, and can you question. put that in as an amendment or something you could i mean and i'm, a, I'm an originalist when it comes to the constitution and i i always say hey well, you can change the constitution it's not a you know it's not like the scriptures where don't take don't add to or take away from it, right? <laughs> right? It'll be a curse on your life is what the bible says if you do that the constitution is not that way there's a process to go through and change it Um, and but it takes two thirds of the nation really to rally behind that. It's hard to change it, and it's a good thing. It's hard, but I think to go to your point, what the framers what they envisioned, I think they would say, um, just reading many of their writings, they would say, "Wow, whoa, whoa, it's not it's not the federal government's job yeah. to get into this." Now they might say, if the states want to try it, go for it, states. You know, if you want to, if Indiana wants to, you know, tackle something. Well, then Indiana, you're free to do it. But we're talking federal government versus state government. Yep. And I'm, I'm a decentralize that government. Like, get the hand, the power in the hands of local and state officials. So I want to take that yeah. a step further yeah. and, and ask you um, your take on the separation of church and state. Yeah. Coming from your point of view, it's pretty interesting. A pastor running for Congress, yeah. I, I'd have to think that you'd been asked this before. But, like, uh, I am unclear how much faith should play into decisions about state and government issues. Mm -hmm. um, be, because in my opinion, I feel like we are all making our decisions in, in all of our, we're saying things based simply on what our upbringing was, and faith is a big part of that. So how can we make decisions without faith playing into that? Yeah. Uh, but, but we're seeing that over and over again. And, and so how, how do you interpret the separation of church and state? So that's a great question. I get to ask this a lot. Well, first of all, you have to understand that what has happened to that phrase, separation of church and state, has been warped, has been taken out of context, and it's been flipped on its head. Uh, and that started in, this, in the Supreme Court back in the 50s, and it has it's just grown ever since. That original phrase is found nowhere in our founding documents, separation <laughs> of church and state. Um, it was actually one letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury uh, Connecticut Baptist Church in 1802, where he was telling the pastor, he said, hey, there is a wall of separation of church and state that's protecting you from federal government or from government intrusion into your church, pastor. What he was not saying was you don't have a right to share your faith within the public square. That, that every single one of our founders understood that 
in order to have this constitutional republic last and be successful, we have to have morally good and ethically good mm-hmm. citizen, citizens. And they all, they all agreed, even the non-believers, even the, the deists, they all believed that Christianity was those moral principles that we should build our society on. And I want to read to you um, a couple quotes. So um, Thomas Jefferson said this, I am a real Christian. Now, a lot of people think that he's, like, you know, he's questionable, right? Like, right. But this is what he says. He <laughs> says, I'm a real quick Christian. That, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Mm. So, so he was basically saying, I understand the doctrines of Jesus Christ. He studied many moral philosophers throughout all of world history. And he reasoned, uh, he said, the doctrines of Jesus Christ are the best to build our society upon. Okay, so that was Thomas Jefferson. Then you have... Um, uh, you have Patrick Henry. He had a quote, and I want to I want to say this, and this I think sums it up so well for me. Um, he said, um, "If I can find it here, bam, bam, bam. I'll give you some time. We're yeah, gonna yeah. pause to uh, to thank our sponsors. Um, we don't have any sponsors yet, so this is my little blurb. Where if you want to sponsor our podcast, we are looking. We are the unofficial podcast of Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Does Beckwith for Congress have any uh, sponsorship <laughs> dollars? I mean, I mean, <laughs> we, I mean that's, now I know why you asked me on this program. <laughs> I thought we made that clear up front. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. Did you find it? I did, yes. Um, okay. Give me liberty or give me death? Yes. Well, Patrick Henry did say that, okay. but yes, Sorry. but same, same guy. But what he also said was it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this, and this is really important, for this very reason, people of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. Hmm. So what I'm advocating for is not that everybody accepts Jesus as their savior. Now, as a politician, I, I tell people all the time, I couldn't care less if you accept Jesus as your savior or not. As a pastor, I'm going to say, hey, you know, you <laughs> yeah. know Jesus okay, I'm is the way. Walk that back for a second. Here, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be uh, emailing leadership at the church. Steve, like, uh, Steve Poe, yeah. uh, pastor of uh, Northview, <laughs> is an avid listener. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, but but what I'm saying is, um, for Christianity and the faith of of the Bible sets up prosperity and freedom for all. Mm. I mean, God is the God of freedom. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of freedom. He doesn't force his will on anyone. So that's what I'm saying. As a, as a political leader, our founders and our framers built this nation on biblical principles, and freedom has flourished. So we can't, if we start ripping that away from our fabric, well, guess what's going to happen? We will begin to lose our freedoms, all of us, mm-hmm. all faiths, the Christian, the Muslim, the Jew, the atheist, all faiths, and I do call atheism a faith, it is, um, all faiths, people will be forced into believing or accepting things that they don't feel like they should or can. Sure. So, but with Christianity as the as the basis of our nation, um, the foundation, if those biblical principles are still remain, they still remain intact. Then all faiths will have asylum, prosperity, and be afforded a place to worship however they see want, however they see fit. Can we shift over to kind of the campaign trail? Yeah, that's so what it's, I, you know I, about. I mean, we want to make sure that it's all about the successful people doing the successful sure. things and there might sure. be some people interested more in the yeah. how, how to of the politics oh man well before we get into that i, I just think it's interesting um that what what you have done in the church and what you have done with 
your instruments has given you a platform to actually yeah. impact people. Mm. Because to be honest, um, your knowledge can only get you so far. You have to become, uh, I mean, look at the amount of celebrities that were celebrities first and then got into politics or current mm-hmm. president. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, walk, walk us back. I guess even that's, further. That's yeah. Yeah. Ronald Reagan was that way too. Ronald Reagan uh, was that way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your yeah. boy. That's yes, um, right, man. <laughs> so, so success in general, like uh, to to be successful, and sometimes I feel like uh, in pastors will shy away from your own personal success, but mm-hmm. God gave you gifts and you've yeah. and you've used them. Um, how how can you encourage others to like get to this get to the point where they're like uh, rock stars? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I would I would say that every every person on this earth has been given unique sets of gifts and talents. Um, God, God is a generous God, and they don't, all, they don't look the same. Some will take you further than others, but that's totally fine. You know, you look at the parable of the talents, right? One person had one, one had two, one had five. God divvies out gifts differently, but everybody gets gifts. Mm-hmm. And, and Scripture also says your giftings will make a way for you. So if you dive in, if you can, wake, if you can be awoken to, the, to what your gift actually is, and then just dive into it, make it the best you can possibly make it, well, that means you're going to have doors of opportunity continue to be open unto you. And I think that's what I just, I've sort of reasoned to myself a long time ago and says, all right, this is what I know I'm good at. This is what I know God has gifted me at. And I'm going to pour my life into making these things as good as they can possibly be. And that's that's what's happened with me. It's just, you know, uh, uh, one door opens up and I walk through it, which leads to, an, yeah. yeah, which leads to another door, which leads to another door. And, you know, if you're, fa- if you're faithful in the small things, more will be added unto so you. So you say yes a lot. We, yes, probably. Yes. Uh, <laughs> probably too much. Opportunity? Mo- yes. yes. I do. And I, and again, you have to have boundaries set in place. Some people will say, Mikey, you say yes too much. Uh, <laughs> see, some people have... Go, go uh, around ring- the table here a little bit. We might say the same thing. I was going to say, I think all of our wives would probably <laughs> echo that we say yes too much. Um, but, but I think it is. It's, it's saying, okay, this is an opportunity. And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in, and I'm gonna do the very best. I'll I tell can. you one one thing that's been really helpful for me as I've grown yeah. in those things is just praying, um, because I'm faith faith driven, faith led as well. Is just praying, you know, God open the right doors and close the wrong yeah. doors. Yeah. Yep. You know, because then there's no question of if yeah. I should say yes yeah. or not if it's all prayerfully considered. Yep. So I don't know if that's something that you do as well, but yeah, I, that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. You know, one of the things too, a buddy of mine told me a long time ago. Um, he said sometimes the Lord gives you multiple doors to be opened or he opens multiple doors at the same time and you have like multiple green lights to walk it through those doors mm. and that's really scary to people like me that i'm like oh man if if i walk through the wrong which, door which one is it, yeah which yeah. door you know oh geez they're both open what do i do and he said mike he said if you if your heart is to honor god and all that you do and to do the best that you can do just trust that god's going to bless you wherever you go which and, you choose, and yeah. trust that god is giving you the choice and what door to walk That's through. That's the free will. That's the free will, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. where he says, you know what, Micah, here's two doors I'm opening unto you. You pick the one you want to go through, and if you honor me, I'm going to bless it. I think that's interesting. A lot of times people will say, I'm going to pray about it, a mm-hmm. decision that they're making. And, and um, so, sometimes they, you, you really do need to prayerfully consider oh, what yeah. you're doing. But yeah. there's also times where I'm thinking, what is there to pray about? If you're, yeah. if you're constantly um, praying and if if you are uh, studying uh, the word and you and you know what God wants for your life, when something when an opportunity comes up, you should have already like been there to know exactly what you should choose. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like um, 
that's a lesson learned when we realize like we haven't been in the word we haven't been praying so mm-hmm. we don't know what direction we're supposed to choose yeah um was, was it hard for you to make the decision to jump into this in May or June or whatever um, last year? I, I feel like I had very little say in the matter. <laughs> and then here's what I'm going to, here's what, here's what, here's what I mean by that. Um, there was a bill that went through the house of representatives and I've been very politically active for the last three, four years, speaking out politically, encouraging members of the church world to get engaged. And here's, here's what you need to know about politics. So I've been following it and speaking out on it. And people have been coming up to me for a long time saying, Micah, are you ever going to run for something? And, and I, and I was constantly went, well, if the door opens up, <clears throat> like we were talking about, maybe I will. Well, back in May, um, our Congresswoman, uh, Susan Brooks, she was one of eight Republicans that voted for a bill, um, called the Equality Act. And, and I know Susan, uh, you know, decently, I've, I've met her many times, um, throughout just being in the community and she's a very nice lady. I, oh, I yeah. like Susan a lot. Um, but she's she was not towards the end of her of her time in Congress. She she really hasn't been voting very, in my opinion, uh, conservatively. Okay. Or she hasn't she's she's dropped the ball on a couple of votes specifically for people like me and be like, man, what are you doing? What like why did you go down this this route? Why aren't you standing up and fighting harder for conservative values? And again, that's just a difference of policy. It has nothing to do with my I, I respect her highly sure i mean she's she's an incredible lady um but uh, she voted for a bill called the equality act in in may and when i <clears throat> saw that come through and and i knew what it was about uh, i it was like the lord said mike if you don't get in this race now um your kids will not have the same freedoms and liberties that you've mm. been afforded mm. and what the equality act does it actually forces churches religious institutions nonprofits. um uh, Christian business owners to begin to see sexual identity the same as race. So you can't discriminate against someone's sexual preference. Um, just in the same way, you're not allowed to discriminate against someone because of their skin color. Now, as a believer, I have a huge heart for those of the LGBTQ community. So I want that. First and foremost, I always tell people, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are all God's masterpiece. So it has nothing to do with your sexual identity or not. You are a masterpiece that God absolutely loves. But I disagree with lifestyle just based on my, the tenets of my faith. I believe God made one man and one woman to be in a, in a relationship called marriage. Out, anything outside of that is not a God-honoring relationship um, when it comes to the intimate relationship between men and women. And so, um, so for me, when that came through, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the opposite of separation of church and state. This is backwards. This is the government now coming into churches saying you have to ordain same-sex marriages right. or else. And that would be what would happen. The churches would that give wed- like uh, perform weddings um, would have to basically choose, well, do we fear that, do we have repercussions from the government mm-hmm. if we tell a, a, a homosexual couple we're not going to ordain their their marriage here at our church now or the church. Or yeah, and so and, and there's plenty of churches that would that will marry same-sex couples. So I'm not advocating for all churches to just stop doing that. What I'm just saying is it's the church's decision. It's the leadership of that church's decision to decide whether or not they mm-hmm. want to go down that path or not. And they will then have to be the ones that stand before the Lord and say, hey, we, we were walking in righteousness or unrighteousness. And, Sounds like uh, a lot of these issues uh, go back to how much the government is involved in our individual decisions. Exactly. Exactly. Limited government. Limited government, man. That's mm. that is why I'm running. Is it, I truly believe we as individuals have the ingenuity, the creativity, the passion, the drive 
to create incredible things for our world, for our families, for our community, if the government would just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, you know why our economy is firing on all cylinders right now? You can love the president or hate him, but the biggest thing that he did that has impacted small business owners like myself is deregulation. Right. It wasn't the tax cuts, it was deregulation. Right. Get the government off our backs. Hmm. And, and you're gonna see things just explode. It's gonna be awesome. So to me, that's, that's, my, that's my primary focus is federal government get out of the way so that the good people of Indiana can do what they wanna do. This has been a great episode, Marcus. Marcus Mangus, uh, alliteration. <laughs> Micah, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. If if we uh, there's going to be a lot of people, I'm sure, that want to follow you and follow uh, the next the next thing that you're involved yeah. in before the primaries. Um, what's the best way to to follow you on social media platforms or to to support you? Yeah, thank you. Um, so Micah Beckwith for Congress on Facebook. Um, if uh, th there's a lot of activity that goes on on Facebook, and like Marcus was saying, and Remington, you've been saying it too. You guys, I'm a different kind of politician. Like I engage people on social media, yeah, and I. I don't ever delete comments from people on social media. Like it can be vile, but I want people who may not necessarily be engaging in the conversation. I want them to see how to defend conservative, limited government values. And so mm. I defend it. I jump in there. I get in the in the fray and in the fight. And um, and I'm always respectful, but but I will push back on people when I believe that they're they're walking down the wrong path when sure. it comes to ideology. So um, so follow us on Facebook. Go to our website, BeckwithTheNumber4Congress.com, BeckwithForCongress.com. Uh, you can get all the information you need there. Um, and, yeah, it just, this is awesome. Thank you yeah. for letting me come on the show, and thank you for what you guys are doing. I mean, it's, I'm honored that you guys would put me in the same category as yourselves. And, uh, I mean, you guys – I look Categories up to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Successful. <I'm> <laughs> Successful Marcus, and any, awesome. Any takeaways? <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, for me just sitting here and listening uh, to Micah that I think would go to a broad audience is really hone uh, the skills and the talents that God's given us, mm -hmm. right? So that um, we can be ready when those right doors open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And to me, you know, we had an awesome conversation, but that's a that's a massive takeaway. Yeah. Is you know we're entrusted with these gifts. Yeah. How can we uh, grow those gifts to help as many other people as possible? Sure. And step into those opportunities when it opens up. And for some people, it just looks differently. Like Micah's was an instrument, which historically in the U.S. Uh, instruments have a way of speaking to to people, yeah. but some mm -hmm. people just make it through like uh, selling dishwashers, you know, yeah. and they and they they create the best dishwasher company, and then it gives them a platform to impact people in in, in a way that if they wouldn't have been good at selling dishwashers, uh, they wouldn't have gotten there. So that's that was yeah. my biggest takeaway too. Is is uh, that, and I also wrote down know your American history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Know know where we're headed and know where we've been. Yep. Micah, you're the man. Uh, oh, Michael yes. Beckwith, Congressman, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> May 5th, primary, May 5th, right? yep, get out and vote. You're yep. what, mostly Hamilton County? Uh, so it's, it's the 5th district. It's actually eight counties. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's, there's four, four full counties, so Hamilton County, Tipton County, Madison County, and Grant County. So it goes all the way up to, like, Marion, Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's four partial counties. That would be Boone County, Howard County, Blackford County, and then Marion County, the north part of Indianapolis area. So... Every congressional district has about 750,000 people in it. So each member of Congress, that's how they kind of divide up the states. That's why California has over 50 
um, congressional representatives because they have a lot of people, and each representative cannot have more than around 750,000 people that they represent. South Dakota um, has one uh, representative right. for the whole state. So, um, and then another tidbit too of information that I that I uh, I found this out He's after. Trying I, to get us off. Of I know, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. The electoral college votes. Okay, we have 11 uh, electoral college votes, and that is because. The, the amount of electoral college votes you have are based on the number of representatives that you have plus, plus the two senators. Yeah. So right. we have nine representatives and then two senators, and that gives us our 11 electoral college votes. That's why the census is so important every, every 10 years, because it can redraw um, the powers of the states, really. So This might be the most informative podcast we've had. <laughs> uh, that, that does remind me, though, check out our other podcast. We have a, this is season two, and we have a uh, full gamut of uh, different types of successful people here in Indianapolis. Micah, thanks again. Go check us out as Indy grows. Step into my circle with the opposite of Urkel. When I pull up flying purple, people eat us, couldn't bite me. I still